How's it going, everybody? My name is Christopher. This is my dad, Leighton, and this is the Oosthuizen Show. And today we have a special episode talking all about Belgian Malinois and celebrating kind of the training of working dogs, which we've had some experience on in the past. We're going to speak towards that. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Well, our main sponsor is Partners Dog Training, and maybe tonight, maybe to a small extent, Partners Working Dogs, which is kind of our old business training of working dogs, uh, law enforcement, military, uh, service dogs, etc. But uh, Partners Dog Training, of course, is the school. We train all sorts of different things. So we have a daycare, we do behavioral training, and we also teach people how to enjoy their dogs. Yeah, so today uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about enjoying your dogs and obviously a part of that is making sure to pick the right dog. So we're going to talk about a specific breed which has gotten a lot of tension, uh, attention right now in the media and that is the Belgian Malinois. And this tends to happen, uh, I don't know, a couple times a year but ever so frequently you get a dog uh, or a breed of dog that gets really famous in the uh, media whether it's Dalmatians from 101 Dalmatians which actually has a new movie coming out. I don't know if you saw oh, it. Didn't? No, yeah, they, I didn't have a, see they have a live action part of 101 Dalmatians coming out pretty soon. Um, and so, you know, whether it's that dog, whether it's Max, which is actually another Belgian Malinois that was in a movie a couple years ago, um, or Conan, which is the Belgian Malinois that's in the news right now as being the working dog that was in the capture of, and I've got the name written down here, um, Abu, what's it? Baghdadi. Yeah. Uh, Baghdadi. I didn't want to say his name because to me he's just a terrorist and a really bad, bad guy. Um, but yeah. it's super cool. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. There was some new information that came out this afternoon in actual fact. Mm. I was driving back from an appointment and I was listening to the, I think it was a general that was discussing the briefing. But it's going to be really cool. we got some video to show you how some of these dogs are trained. Uh, we obviously can't show you the military dog training. I have a policy. I don't like to put that stuff out there on the internet. Um, but we're going to show you some of the personal protection dogs in training. Yeah, and, and what's interesting, because uh, we had a, a couple of facts that we brought up. So I don't know if you knew, but in the operation which led to the death of Osama bin Laden in his hideout, that yep. dog was also a Belgian Malinois named Cairo. Correct, that's right. Yep. yep, yep. What we don't know, and what I would love to know, and I actually made a couple of phone calls today to try and find out, and uh, I unfortunately don't know yet, is whether or not the crying and the screaming and the whining and bleeding that we understand from President Trump that uh, this terrorist was exhibiting was as a result of a dog attached to his leg. I'd like to believe that's true, but unfortunately, I don't think it was true. Uh, what I do believe and what I understand happened is that the dog pursued this guy down the tunnel. They found him. So this dog was obviously trained. And I'll get into a little bit more detail as to how we actually do this training here in a few minutes. Uh, but this dog was actually trained to find somebody as well as pursue and we'll uh, we'll discuss what the differences are between those. And so I think he actually located the guy in the tunnel, uh, mm. the terrorist in the tunnel. But he, I don't believe he got a bite, which is really unfortunate. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Um, and we also did, did some video today, which we're going to show you here in a few minutes. Uh, Christopher volunteered uh, reluctantly to take a couple of bites from my uh, Belgian Malinois. And we're going to show you some of those bites. And then uh, Sarah actually dressed up in a bite suit because she decided she wanted to feel what it felt like. And... We're going to show you that here in a few minutes as well. Yeah, so uh, if you see are... If I find this view because I'm not seeing it on my side. Yeah, if uh, if you are listening uh, through the podcast version, this episode is going to be a little bit more visual because it's going to be talking a little bit more about bite work and the processes that we have. Uh, we're trying to add more videos into the composition here and still working out the best way to go through that. Um, but it should be pretty interesting, pretty fun to watch. Bite work is probably one of my favorite things to do, so I don't know why he's saying reluctantly. I actually 
really enjoy doing bite work. Um, it's a little bit painful. There's, there's always the tough guy in the group that wants to take a bite uh, and it might leave a little bit of bruising, but for the most part, the padding is, is good enough. And uh, Karnak, who was taking a bite today, he's a little bit older, so you can see in the video a little bit out of practice um, as he's kind of getting up there in age, starting to get sore in, uh, in his hip area um, and legs. So uh, we were uh, taking it, I'd say, pretty easy on him in terms of not wanting him to run very much and, and wanting to uh, make sure that he's as comfortable as possible, but still um, showing you the kind of gist of what we're getting at in terms of bite work and so forth. Right. Um, so talk a little more because I'm still trying yeah, to figure no out problem. for some reason, I can't get the watch party going. So um, I want to get into the breeds of a Belgian Malinois. Um, so Belgian Malinois typically are going to be they're the tan type dogs. They usually have uh, black faces and a lot of people sometimes mistake them for German Shepherds. So they are they are a little bit smaller. Um, they're about a medium sized dog, usually around 80 pounds. Um, I don't know. You'll see a Belgian, obviously, with uh, with Karnak in the video here in a little bit. Um, but usually they're a tan type dog. Sometimes they get a little bit darker. Um, I don't know if they do. They come from Belgium? Is that originally? no? They come from Europe. Uh, we get them from um, oh gosh, any one of the, France uh, is probably one of the biggest suppliers. France, uh, Czech Republic, uh, Germany, uh, Dutch, Holland, obviously. Um, the the uh, the Belgian Malinois is kind of just the term because they're obviously the ones we first saw them really coming on the scene in a big way here about 10 15 years ago um, and obviously now they're one of the primary dogs that are used by law enforcement uh, the one of three dogs Belgian Malinois Dutch Shepherds remember we, a couple of weeks we had our Dutch Shepherd I have one of those as well uh, crush uh, on the show and then of course the German Shepherd they're not as common anymore that even though German Shepherds really my favorite breed um, we're going to show you Christopher's German Shepherd here in a few minutes as well, uh, doing some bite work when he was alive. Uh, the dog has since passed on. But um, anyway, the whole point is that uh, those are the three sort of primary working dogs. Yeah. The Belgian Malinois is probably the most commonly used, especially at a very high end, because they are just Well, they're very super, agile. They, they have a ton of energy, dogs. great work ethic. Um, they, I would say they are pretty uh, willing and wanting to please, so that makes them very good in terms of a working environment. But they also are pretty good, um, I would say, by themselves in terms of having to do maybe detection work or if you do have to send your dog out on a bite, they might be 100 yards, 200 yards away from you and they still have to be able to perform just like they were being trained. Um, yeah. But I do want to emphasize the fact that these are working dogs. And yeah. so, uh, so a lot of people... Let's talk a little bit about that because that that's something that has come up and I have a couple of friends that have posted, please don't rush out and buy these dogs. And then, of course, other people get involved in that and say that, you know, they should, that's okay, it's a good pet dog, etc. So let me, let me get into that in a bit more detail. The first thing is, the best way I can describe a working breed dog is to think of a Formula One motor car so there's a little story formula one story just kind of like bear with me here for a second um, a few years ago there was a very wealthy arab guy and he went along to one of the formula one teams motor racing teams and he said hey i'll give you a whole bunch of money i think the figure he gave him was five million dollars but i forget now and he said but i want to let you drive i want you to let me drive the formula one car and they were like all right so they let him drive it down the straight of one of the racetracks and uh, within the first two three hundred yards of the straight he put this car into a spin and he spun out and he destroyed the car or he seriously damaged the car the whole point of the story is that I'm sure this guy knew how to drive. He just didn't know how to drive that amount of power, that amount of speed, that amount of energy. And he found out the hard way that it's not as easy as it looks. Well, a Belgian Malinois and any of the high-end working breeds are much like that. You can certainly go out. If you want to learn and you want to put in the time, you can go and learn. But the problem is that they are a very 
high knee dog. In other words, if you don't learn how to train, learn how to understand, learn how to read their patterns, read their behaviors, know what you can do, how to do it. Um, if you if you don't know how to set foundations, then this is going to be a struggle for you. And then those dogs are probably going to be an issue. We are seeing that issue. Literally, one of our staff was bitten by a Belgian Malinois during an evaluation uh, two days ago, I believe. Yep, two days ago. Uh, here at the school, young dog, six-month-old dog. Probably will be fine once we put some training on the dog. But this dog had, had definitely had some pressure training done on it. And so that's the other thing. Um, a lot of law enforcement departments found out the hard way. They often had officers or canine officers that were shepherd people. And they went along bought these Belgian males. And before you knew it, they were having issues because these guys were just not experienced enough. Even though they'd done this for years, they just were not experienced enough in the Belgian Malinois. And the same thing you could say with a Dutch Shepherd or with, uh, you know, one of those dogs. And something to remember is that the Belgian Malinois is actually one of, I think, four in the family. The uh, the Belgian, um, the, uh, uh, what the heck, I can't remember, it's a long time since I last dealt with that. But there's like three or four other dogs in the same sort of line, but the Belgian Malinois is the most commonly known one. Uh, Tavern, thank you, Christopher, just pulled it up. Wow, what, awesome for the internet. Tavern and the Krunendal. The Krunendal is a dog that we don't see very often here in the States. In actual fact, I don't think I've seen one for years, but they were an awesome dog, and I'm sure that at some stage other people are going to catch on to it. Uh, Lacanois is the other dog. So there's, there's three or four of them in that sort of family, but the Belgian is the, the Mal, the Belgian Malinois, as, as we call it, is the most commonly known. Um, kind of a funny thing on that. Most people have been commenting everybody comments now of course on facebook you know i call it uh i call it uh, should i say should i use my euphemism probably not but keyboard experts with very little knowledge or very little experience uh, everybody's got an opinion and and of course you know i'm used to that but you know that's why i don't get into a lot of these conversations online about these dogs but the bottom line is if you want to get a dog that and you prepare to put in the work and by the work i mean putting in a good hour to two hours of training a day then sure go out and get yourself one of these high-powered dogs but if you're not prepared to do that it's best to stay away from them and that really goes a for all working breeds and another thing to kind of take note as uh, a lot of people say, oh, we'll just walk your dog or just, you know, get your dog uh, more exercise and so forth. The, the problem with exercise is while it's a really good and part of the um, solution to, you know, working and training with your dog, if you only are building up your dog's exercise, you're building up endurance. Just like if you're going to the gym, you're going to build up your endurance. You're going to get better every single time that you go there to the gym. Uh, and the same thing happens with your dog. And so a lot of people sometimes mistake that and they think, well, I take my dog for a walk every day for an hour a day. I run them all the time, um, but I'm, I'm still seeing these issues develop. Um, over time because essentially they're building up their dog's endurance without adding in the training and without adding in the structure and, and foundation into their lives so that way that endurance is able to be channeled into positive behaviors that are also mentally stimulating. It's just kind of like if you're sitting at a computer for eight hours a day, you're probably going to be mentally tired, even though you might be physically fine because you've been sitting down all day. So that's kind of the difference between physical training and mental uh, stimulating yep. in, in your dog's training. Um, I do want to talk a little bit. Uh, so we talked about why Malinois might not be a great family pet. Right. Uh, and the other thing, too, is and, they're and, also... And let me... Let me so I hate contradicting myself when I say this or contradicting what you said is that they can be a good family pet as long as you, you have that structure in. and you put the work in, right? I mean, we have, you know, at any one time we've had either one or two Belgian Malinois in our house, a Dutch Shepherd, a German Shepherd, and three or four little rescue dogs, you know, Sarah's dogs, etc. And And we manage that, but we have to constantly stay on top of it. We create our dogs at night, or dogs that are, are created anyway, the two 
uh, protection dogs are loose, either one in Christopher's room or one in my room or one in Sarah's, I'm sorry, Alessandra's room. Um, but those dogs are trained for specific things. And we're going to show you when we show that video here in a second, we'll show you what the training is. Well, and is. even with us, we put a lot of... Uh, uh, structure and, and things in place like we wouldn't let Alessandra take both the male dogs out at the same time because Absolutely. obviously then if they do get into a fight and she for some reason maybe tries to go break it up or tries to do whatever and then they redirect back onto her that would be obviously a, a in really a, in actual fact issue. she has been trained if the two big dogs or you know obviously we're down to two of the big dogs now if they get into a fight she's got to turn and run inside the house and call us she's got to absolutely not yeah. engage these dogs the the crazy thing is dogs can actually fight for quite a while not all i hate when i generalize this because then i get emails afterwards people say well you know my dog can kill another dog in 10 seconds yeah the truth is majority of dogs that fight don't really do that much damage to each other in, the, in a short period of time. And in any case, what is a 10-year-old going to do to break that up? Even adults, Christopher had to break up a fight once. Uh, Sarah had to. Both of them got hurt. You know, the, the truth right. is that getting dogs in, getting involved in dog fights is not something you want kids doing. So, yep. And I'm actually going to show you in one of our videos, you're going to see Christopher actually handling, as a young kid, handling one of the protection dogs. But again, this dog had had an enormous amount of training, probably twenty five to thirty thousand dollars worth of training put into him and uh, it's definitely something you want to make sure you do before you allow your kids to engage or be a participant in that so if you want to say can my family be around a protection dog sure if you have if you put in the work if you yeah. don't want to put in the work or if you have a family that's very high strung or if you have kids at high strung this is not a dog you can go climbing all over and pulling his ear and so on even Karnak that you'll see working here in a second will not really tolerate very much of, of somebody climbing all over him it's just not his thing there are dogs that are exceptions to that um, and obviously you know like everything there's an exception to every rule but the vast majority of these working breeds are just not highly uh, social dogs with small children and with high stress environments and things like that. And the types of uh, symptoms I think we would see in terms of negative behavior would be possessiveness, territorialness, right. resource um, guarding, resource guarding yep. biting at ankles because they right. are you know, technically originally probably bred for herding of some sort. Uh, and so all of those things, again, if you channel them correctly, can be very positive and, and could potentially make a really good protection dog. Um, but that does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. Uh, and we've done that in the past, so we don't do it as much anymore because there's obviously a lot of work that has to be go that has to go into it initially from the training side, from the breeding side, and then of course in the maintenance side. So. Um, you know, we don't want to necessarily discourage someone, but we also want to make everyone aware of really what they're getting themselves into when they do get a working type dog and breed. Right. So let's uh, let's show you guys some video. Um, now, the problem with our videos, we haven't quite got to the point where we can stop and start this video. So when we start the video, we're going to just talk over the top of it and we'll talk about where it is. It's about five minutes, four or five minutes of video. Uh, it's different things. Some of the videos, older video, because something I hadn't mentioned, we're not actually currently training law enforcement or military working dogs. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that, mostly uh, just because we're just so busy with the school that this yeah. is just not something we focus on. Uh, ironically, I had a conversation today with uh, ATF uh, on our licensing. We still maintain our explosives licenses and narcotics licenses. In fact, I'm one of the few private people uh, to actually have those licenses. Uh, you have to have them for the training of these working canines. Um, but the video we're going to show you is of our uh, is of people's uh, personal protection dogs. I almost said pet dogs, but they're not really pet dogs. Um, and uh, it is some old footage. There's some old stuff of Christopher I wanted to show because obviously I don't have any young kids right now that are trained to work with these protection dogs. Um, and uh, we'll kind of talk over the top of that. So, Yeah, so I'll get that pulled up here. 
So the first thing here, that's obviously from today, uh, where we were doing a little bit of training with Karnak, and you'll see that video here in a moment. That's Jedi, I believe. Yeah, this is Jedi. This is our last one, and this is and this one is uh, that looks like Rocky. That's, no, that's Ludwig. Is it Ludwig? Yep. Oh, and okay. this is Jedi. You can see how hard these dogs bite. These are a couple of old pictures. Uh, this is Karnak today. I kind of showed this. He was pretty high strung, really keyed up. All he wanted to do was work. Didn't want to sit around and take pictures, etc. And here we see a video of Christopher. This was an older video. This is a decoy, a really cool guy. He doesn't work for us anymore, but he, this is training Christopher. He's knocking on the front door. When Christopher opens the door, he's going to be working with Jedi. And then you'll see the decoy here will actually attack Christopher at some point right there. And then the dogs are trained to react to that scenario that we don't actually need to give them commands at this stage. Jedi was a pretty advanced dog at this point. So therefore, he's basically trained to react to a scenario. There you see he's checking around. You guys can't hear it, but there are other dogs in this vicinity that are waiting for their turn to actually train. So, so Jedi is looking around to see if there's any other threat. We'll often run two or three decoys at the same time. Well, not often, occasionally, I say. And, um, it, and he's meant to stay by the handler at that right. time because there could be another decoy coming, coming from, from behind. Or right. behind. Yeah, and exactly. in the house, we'll often have a decoy come from the other side of the house. So the dogs learn. You can see his ears moving back and forth. The dogs learn to watch every potential possibility. Uh, you can see he's holding here. The longer you can hold these dogs, the better it is for them. And uh, that's how they learn to concentrate. That's how they learn the stability. And they, as the decoy turns and makes a threat, the dog has got to react to that. Christopher basically is just standing there. That's Christopher, if you haven't figured it out, on the right-hand side. And he's at his door, gives him one command, and the dog has got to return back to hill and back into the house. This is one of our other instructors, Monica. Uh, this is training one of her dog, dog called Diesel. Um, I threw this in here because I wanted to show you guys the bark and hold. So we don't train a lot of dogs to do this. It's extremely difficult to get a consistent bark and hold without putting a lot of effort into it. If you guys get into French Ring or Schutzhund or one of the, uh, the uh, protection dog sports, then you'll see they put a bunch of stuff into this. And the thing to um, really note here is that A, the dog's supposed to stay at a sitter or whatever, uh, barking at the decoy, but isn't supposed to react until the decoy makes a, a, a movement a to attack. Move. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, this is a really, really cool exercise where the dog's supposed to sit again, stay at heel, um, and not, in, uh, not instigate a... Uh, movement towards the decoy, attack towards the decoy until the decoy makes a attack on the handler. Uh, so they can walk around, they can yell, they can taunt, they can do whatever they want, but the dog isn't supposed to move until they go to attack. So you'll see Cooper walks away, the decoy walks away, and then all of a sudden he makes a move to go in and attack. And then that's when uh, Jedi, in this case, goes in and takes a bite. And this handler is actually one of our students at the time. She later on actually became an employee here at the school, and we're still good friends with her. Uh, but this was her learning how to handle a dog, which we'll often do when we have clients that are getting protection dogs uh, so that they learn to work correctly. You see, one command, that's something we're tremendously proud of is how quick our dogs will call off and come straight back to heel. You see Jedi's looking back behind him again. He knows that I'm behind it. I was filming this, I believe. And he's watching. See his left ear turning around, checking to make sure. So this was today. This was Christopher running. Um, we only had a long shot of this. Unfortunately, the other camera didn't give us some really good footage. Um, but you can see this is Karnak doing a bite. Bites on Christopher's leg. He'll also do a groin bite depending on what's available. Came off, goes into a down stay. He's got to hold that position. And then you'll see it's at some point here, Christopher will move. Okay, now in oh, this case, I called him back to heel. Um, and that tug that you see him playing with there, that's his reason for working. That's what he wants to work for. These dogs are not aggressive. It's one of the things that is really important. Uh, this is actually a slow motion shot. I wanted to show you guys what it looked like 
For those of you who think that it's not that significant of a bite, just understand that dog's hitting you at about 15 miles an hour. Yeah, the, the measurement, I believe, is about 195 psi, so uh, pounds per or pressure inch. per square inch. Pounds, yeah, per square inch. pounds per square inch. This is a training suit that Christopher's wearing, so it's really thick. It's about three quarters of an inch thick. We use lighter suits for the protection dogs that we're doing uh, competition with, like in French Ring and in Schutzhund. But this one is one that protects the decoys the most and it gives the dogs a nice solid grip. This padding that you see is to teach the dogs consistency, to teach them uh, uh, to be confident in their bites, to keep this hold on, yeah, stay so nice we, and tight. So as decoys, we can quote unquote hit the dog, we can try to get them off the bite as much as possible, and the dog obviously is supposed to stay on the bite there. When we're, when we're quote unquote hitting them, it's really not a strong hit. We're not meant to hurt them. We're just meant to really provide that sound or, or try to um, build their confidence really by getting them uh, desensitized to that feeling and to that sound next to them. So this is obviously Sarah. She, it's her first time in a suit. Uh, when we train people for the first time, we keep it nice and close. We don't want anything happening. We don't want anything going wrong. Uh, but you can see Connick's really solid, very reliable dog. He hasn't done bite work for a little while. And here at the end, uh, he's hanging out to Christopher. There's no hard feelings. He'll love and play with him. He'll play tug. It's it's not a personal thing. It's basically just a game. Protection training for these dogs is just teaching them to behave at a certain point. Now, what we're obviously not showing and what we can talk about a little bit more is, is when we train these working dogs to go out, we put a huge amount of work into teaching them to acclimate to desert environments, yeah. to, to other areas and to to train them to like work under high pressure situations etc uh, one of the reasons why it's so difficult to do protection training is because they lack courage to stay in the fight and so a dog the average dog in the street or the average pet dog just doesn't have that they might bark they might kind of yap at somebody but they won't actually go in they certainly won't fight and they also won't pursue which is one of the hardest things to you teach. know while uh while you're talking here i want to see if i can find that video of you doing decoy work back a, a long time ago where you went into people's houses sure Yep. I'll see if I can pull that up online, um, but you can uh, maybe talk a little so, bit about that. So here. this was done, oh my gosh, uh, Channel 5 was, uh, was the station that did it. I used to do a lot of TV work, um, and they came in and they said they wanted to do a story where uh, they wanted me to break into people's homes and see if their personal dogs would actually protect the home. And I said to them at the time, it's not going to happen because um, they were all like super worried about me getting hurt and all that stuff. I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just wear a sleeve. It's no big deal. Um, and we'll do it. Now, the crazy part of this story is that it was really not like a sophisticated setup. Uh, but they chose, I think, four or five homes, if I remember correctly. One lady had a little pit bull. Another lady had a little white dog, who, by the way, was the best dog of all. The little tiny toy dog. We'll see it here in a second, Christopher's. I think going to get it up here. Um, and then there was a guy with the Doberman. The funny part about him is he was actually one of their staffers. And he bet somebody, I think he bet the producer that his dog would bite me. And his dog didn't bite me at all. Uh, none of the dogs bit me. Um, I kind of acted like a bad guy. I broke into the house. Uh, I was wearing protective gear just in case. Um, and uh, anyway, so you got it up? Yeah, uh, just take a few more seconds. So one of the cool little. things about this is that just before we actually filmed it with these other dogs where we drove around to people's homes, um, we also, uh, I put Ludwig, Christopher's German Shepherd, inside the producer's home and I put him in an on-guard position and then I went out. 
and when I came to the window of the house, we had the cameras rolling and we wanted to like, I wanted to climb in through the window and like, a, you know, rob the house sort of thing. But Ludwig was waiting because he knew something was up and he was watching me from the inside of the house. And when I came in, as I put my leg through the window to get inside the house, he just nailed me from the inside of the house. And so I was like, all right, all right, this is not working out. We need to do this again. And so I tried to pull away from him and he was like, no, you're not going anywhere. And he was pulling me into the house and I was trying to pull out the house with him attached to my body. And it was it was kind of crazy. But anyway, we didn't show that on TV, but I, I, I don't think I even have video of that anymore. Um, but it was it was super funny at the time. Yeah. So I think uh, we'll pull it up here now. Uh, so I'll let the audio run just so you can kind of hear it talking. This is obviously a long time ago. So the pic video and, and picture wasn't as good, um, but we'll we'll let the audio run and uh, let the video run. And then we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards. Can you guys hear that? We're not hearing sound on our side. That's what I'm asking. Tammy Leitner, by the way, was the producer, also was the reporter, very good friend of mine. She's now a big shot reporter out of New York. These were her two personal dogs. Is it playing sound? And she's now a big shot reporter out of New York. Yeah, that's okay. So it doesn't look like we got sound. So let me talk about this. So this dog that you see here, this is actually Monica's dog, that, that one that was doing the bite at that stage. Um, and this is now back to me breaking into the people's homes. So These we have four dogs here. Uh, I believe it was, what, yeah. what, what types of dogs? I can't it was remember a Doberman, it was like a, a pit bull of some sort. And then we had like a little chihuahua at the end. So that was actually, that's in the middle of our house back when we were still doing construction. Um, showing some bite work and so forth. Cooper there. is the decoy. There's Jedi. Again. Oh, and this is kind of cool. So our, our dogs also train to go search a house, go look through the house. You can see here was this group of dogs that we were training. Um, those people have, uh, have all kind of moved That's on. Back on the training field back in the day. That's a call off, something very difficult to do. And here it is where we're actually going to people's homes. So I dressed up here, this first one, second one, third one. This lab was kind of cute. There was a ball lying in the house. So when I went into the house, I picked up the ball. And then he's like, oh, cool. Somebody's going to come play ball with me. There he is. Oh, there's <laughs> the ball. Yeah, so much for me being a bad guy. This is the guy that was super surprised that his dog didn't attack me. He had a... Yeah, so we were commenting there. Is, there. It's this pretty is his rare dog. for, for dogs to, like we said, uh, to actually make an attack. So I think this one was the one that actually gave up most of the fight. And that was yeah, really he just some barking. A little bit of, uh, of reactivity there. And then... Then I saw so his toy, picked up the toy, and a few minutes later, he was playing with me. There was nobody else in the house. The cameras were hidden cameras, and so on. This is the guy who's not happy about that. I thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> this is the end. Oh, no, I've got still a couple more. I was trying to get the dog to bite because we kind of wanted to show something, but anyway, it wasn't going to bite. Uh, this was the... Uh, yeah, this is actually kind of cool. Watch this dog at the end. So it was barking like crazy, barking like crazy. And then when I then he came, I was like, "Oh, hi! How are you? How are you doing?" The client wasn't very was like super surprised by that. Um, well, and what's interesting? That oh, this is like the pit bull. Type so, bite yeah, that that yeah. dog was a little insecure. So this dog, I kind of they wanted me to do this. I kind of attacked the lady to see if the dog would protect her. And obviously, he just wants to play. But here's the funny part. So I turned, ran out the house, and I watched the dog. He's going to run over to the window and say, "Like, where are you going? Like, where'd <laughs> you go? Why aren't you going to play with yeah, me? Yeah, like, why are you going to play?" <laughs> and then Zoro which is the, uh, well, I don't even know, Yorkie no. Shih Tzu. Shih Tzu, I think. Yeah. So let's look at him. 
He's barking, barking. He's like, oh, hey, oh, cool smell. All right, chill. Then I go and say hi, and then I was carrying him around the house in front of all the cameras. We sat down the couch, enjoyed a little TV and snack, etc. So, so again, I mean, we just wanted to show you guys that that's obviously not the the Belgian Malinois training, the protection dog training, but training a dog to do protection work or bite work, as we call it, takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And and obviously, if you start off with the right quality of dog, it makes a huge difference. Um, it's one of the, th the reasons I don't do a lot of this training anymore is because. We, we're kind of encouraged to use dogs that are maybe not up to scratch to try and save money. And it's insane. It's like buying yourself a little tiny, you know, VW and trying to make it a race car on the racetrack. Yeah, you can spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on these cars. It's still not going to go fast. Right. So, you know, the same thing applies with dogs. Now, I haven't been watching my computer late uh, the last few minutes, but I see a whole bunch of people have commented. Um, I want to mention a couple because they're actually, if you, if you look at the feed, and I think they're on the main feed or they're on my feed, my personal feed you got to also follow my personal feed a lot of times because a lot of people comment on that um but a couple of the people wow we've had a lot of people join us holy smokes that's cool uh, a couple of people that have joined joined in here tonight are um mike barry i want to mention this i hope mike doesn't mind me mentioning this but you see mike said uh, thank you very much for uh, for eros they had a, a personal situation in their home where they had a, a threat and it was a substantial threat um, you know, if he wants to write on Facebook what it was about. But anyways, uh, Monica, the instructor you saw earlier on, uh, she had a dog called Eros and they actually, we, Monica and us donated Eros and a whole bunch of training to this mm -hmm. family to help them. And it changed their lives. And, and in fact, uh, this was a long time ago and Eron, Eros died recently. Uh, oh, so it's kind of sad, sure. but he put in a good life and he changed their lives for them. It's really awesome to see that. Charles Silver, you see the guy that uh, talked about good stuff. Buster says, thanks. Buster was also one of our protection dogs. And I remember the first day that Charles showed up here, he had this high powered dog. I said, dude, you have a Ferrari. You'll learn how to drive the sucker. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Charles is a pretty argumentative kind of guy cool dude but he's got an answer for everything and i can i can just imagine knowing him as i know him now and i love the guy now but back then he must have thought like man this is an arrogant guy for telling me this and i'm sorry if i was but he put in the work and he is and buster has been a great protection dog and uh and has turned out and, to be an absolute awesome dog and mike even commented there that he uh he was actually bit by arrows the one time because he wasn't paying attention he said even there it was his fault completely and and that can happen i mean there's been tons of times where we've been nicked sure. when playing tug or when playing with the ball oh, just because they're not paying attention <laughs> today to with Karnak, when i was playing with him today i was trying to like calm him down so we could film and he was not in the mood for being calmed down. He's like, are you kidding? I'm getting my first bite in a few months and he wanted me to be calm. And he whipped his head around, smacked me aside, a shot in the side of my face. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Unfortunately, I didn't have the camera on at that moment. But yeah. anyway, you know, just to sort of recap on a lot of these things, because we, we're kind of running out of time here. First thing is, you know, obviously we don't want you guys to rush out and go buy a Belgian Malinois. If you want to get a dog like that, make sure you get the training. If you want to adopt a dog that's come out of a rescue, which has been a law enforcement slash military slash retired working dog, do your homework. I see a lot of these dogs that come through training and um, and that can that can be a problem. You know, uh, I love the fact you rescue these dogs, but just understand, you know, if the dog has been washed out of training as a canine, there's a reason the dog has been washed out. The other thing I want to mention, and this is not something that's publicly said, but a lot of these working dogs that go to Afghanistan, Iraq, and those places cannot be brought back into the civilian sector. Again, you hear of people and they're actually uh, rescues out there that will help place those dogs. Those are the ones that kind of make it through the the selection process but a lot of the others don't and obviously my hearts go out to those dogs you know it, it's just it's just 
unfortunately one of the things but we have to take that into account um, I'm super proud of this dog uh, you know from what we gather he was trained oh I didn't finish talking about that mm -hmm. so when we tr talk about military working dogs MWDs there's all sorts of different things. They can be singly trained, meaning that they're trained to do one type of task. So a dog can be trained to do explosive searches or a dog can be trained to do tracking. Uh, they have a special kind of tracking that they're doing the, that the expeditionary force use. I actually uh, consulted with them a while back on that. It was super cool. I was really disappointed that I couldn't go a little further with them. I want to go over to Iraq and go train with them over there, uh, which I wasn't able to do because I wasn't part of their, their unit. But um, we worked on remote control of these dogs. And the, when I was talking and working with the instructors at the time, it was phenomenal to see what they were able to do. And I, and I know that they're using them still to this day. Um, then you get what they call dual purpose dogs. That's where they train the dog on two different purposes. So you'll get a dog that's trained on Search searching rescue, for well, searching for people explosive. and searching for explosives, right? So that's most commonly. And this dog that was used by the um, uh, it wasn't Delta a, Force. A, it was Delta Force, yeah, correct? Delta Force. Um, I read a really interesting article as to why they used Delta Force in this particular case and not the SEAL teams. But anyways, the um, uh, this particular dog was dual trained. And uh, today, the, the, the general that was talking about it said that they used him to, to look for or locate uh, this particular guy in the tunnels. Uh, he didn't really get into a lot of detail, but he kind of hinted at that. And so what I'm hoping and what it appears to have happened is that this dog was actually used to track this guy inside the tunnels. And I'll tell you a couple of cool stories. We had a dog once uh, that was trained on this. And this, these dogs are trained to pick up tripwires. So if you have a, a, a tripwire, is like a very thin metal, like almost like a guitar string wire, and you put it across a path or across a walkway or something, and then of course if you walk in patrol and you cross over and you trip that tripwire, it blows you up. So a lot of our dogs were trained in the military to find these tripwires. They can pick up on that sound of the wind blowing over this wire, and it's absolutely incredible how good they are. I mean, they virtually are 100% right in doing that. And one of the cool things about those dogs is that they will alert by basically the moment they hit the tripwire, they just lay down. And then that's the signal back to the handlers and then back to the, the rest of the team that they need to back off. Um, there was a very famous story of a Tucson police officer whose dog was a narcotics dog. And she was attacked on the side of the street. And I speak under correction, but I actually think she died. And her dog did nothing. A lot of people were saying, you know, why didn't her canine help her? Well, this dog was only trained on single purpose. It wasn't trained to do multiple things. And a lot of the teams, like the bomb squads and so on, only single purpose train their dogs. They do not train a patrol aspect to it or, to, or a chase aspect to it or uh, dogs that are trained to track people or whatever. Uh, Lynn Thomas asked a really good question. I think this is probably the one of the top questions that we get all the time is, would you agree that some dogs have it in them to be protective from the beginning? Uh, she's got three Dobermans and all of them have good protective instincts. Right. So this is one of these things that gets, gets me into trouble. So the first thing, Lynn, is that when we talk about protective instinct, here's the crazy part. These Belgian males are not really, it's not a protective instinct that we look for. They train to behave a certain way based a on a certain scenario. It's a game for them. They're not aggressive. They're not trying to kill people. These dogs are not trained to hunt people. The, the taste of blood means nothing, etc. And I realize you're not talking about that. But, but you know, what you do get is you get dogs that are uh, territorial. And so they don't like a strange sound or they're possessive of the location or the space of their owners and th things like that. And that's perfectly okay. Uh, but just so that you understand, unless a dog has actually been trained to bite, it's very rare that that dog will bite. And as I say that, I know that there's a bunch of people wanting to jump on their keyboards and tell them, hey, my dog will bite you every time. 
Okay, that's fine, but the vast majority of dogs will not do that. If you go look at my Facebook, you'll see there's an incident that happened in South Africa recently, and I posted the video of it where two dogs, yeah, there were two dogs, where there were two bad guys trying to break into this house. They're and Malinois, weren't they? No, they weren't. I think I actually think they were um, uh, burbles, South African oh. burbles, but I'm not sure. They might just be mutts for that matter. And they were young, and you'll see they attacked one of the bad guys, fell off the roof, and these dogs attacked him. But it wasn't even really protection. The dogs were just nipping at him, biting at him. They'd pull at his clothing. Then the dog would kind of walk away and look at the guy, and then they go back and nip a little bit more. It's almost like almost like a pack type instinct that was coming in those weren't properly trained dogs they were very protective of that location and when this guy was screaming and yelling obviously that will trigger the dogs and so a lot of times that'll make them more protective so what you probably have is in your dobies because dobies remember used to be one of the awesome you know protection and working dogs out there one of one of the sort of the top three or four breeds uh, but then like a lot of these breeds we kind of overbred them and we did a bunch of things and then they kind of lost that skill you can still get good dobies, as i'm hoping you've got those as well and and um you know that have a very good instinct to be able to protect but just remember that when it comes to actually biting it has to be and trained. to they have to be trained in what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do think of this as being martial arts for for dogs right so a kid that goes in the martial arts class we don't want them fighting all the other kids and beating up and being disrespectful and rude and so on so they have their their instructor and the guy teaches them what they're allowed to do and how they're allowed to do it and the the, the general behavior goes along with that. Yeah, and, and definitely. Uh, and there goes Charles. I knew Charles would. I'm surprised Charles didn't say something earlier on. Possessive is not protective. Fear biting is not a good thing. So we often refer to fear biting or a dog that lacks courage. You'll see us use that term. And those dogs are tough to train. And it's very, very, very common. Probably 90% of the dogs lack courage that are out there. So when it comes that to protection comes training. To breeding, and that is where right. you do see dogs that have a natural, quote unquote, protective tendency or, to them. It, it does in terms of what we're looking for, for a dog that potentially could be a protection dog is important for them to have good courage, is important for them to want to work for the owner. Yep. And that's why German Shepherds do tend to make really good protection dogs because they also have really incredible bonds with their owners, uh, just like many of the other working so, dog breeds. So if you guys got any other questions, uh, shoot them to us. We'll you know try and answer them as much as we can. Just remember what I said earlier on about I don't get into a lot of this stuff on Facebook um, and on, it's just too difficult to describe and to, to that's why we showed you the video tonight. Um, we don't do protection training right now because of the risk and liability. We train our own dogs and we train still, you know, one or two other things, but we actually don't do it with clients anymore, which is a pity. It's a, it's a lot of fun to do and it's great. And as you could hear what you heard, what Christopher said, he loves doing the decoys. Yeah. Uh, if you look at decoys arms, you know, this area up here where the dogs bite, those suits do work. Well, no, I'm sorry, they do hurt. And, um, and actually, that's an interesting thing because in, in Karnak's case, he was trained to bite for legs versus yeah. some dogs are trained to bite for arms. So do you want to talk a little bit about the differences sure. for those? So, so Karnak is trained and has been trained or was trained for French ring competition because at that time, there was another trainer, Bob Salamini. He's a good guy, but I'll bring this up that said, oh, Leighton doesn't know how to do French ring. And so I was like, fine. So I went and got a dog and started training with him and with Chad. Uh, Chad Hunter and uh, we built our own French ring club. Chad has since gone on to become a judge and a phenomenal decoy and all that stuff. But the bottom line is that Karnak was trained for a sport. And so, yes, he can do personal protection, as you saw in the video, but he was trained as a sport where they have to do certain scenarios to be able to pass certain tests. Anytime if you're talking to people, and I've got a lot of friends in the French ring world. Uh, Laura is one of the most phenomenal handlers and trainers out there. Laura Price, she actually shoots with me. If you guys, 
if because uh, obviously most of my friends are, are are competitive shooters you ever come across the prices laura and steve price and tony ray uh, Laura is probably one of the best handlers I've ever met in my life. If I could get her to work for me, I'd, I'd probably just retire at that point and let her run the school. But they're all people that have put a lot of effort into training these dogs to perform certain tests. Um, now, if you're sitting there saying, well, it's a competition trained dog, that dog doesn't know how to bite. Yeah, we'll put a suit on and find out the hard way. I've got a couple of friends that have gone that way. Um, um, Bump Wilson, mm -hmm. I don't know if he's watching right now, but probably the most famous one. Oh, and then my, my favorite one of all, Ian Harrison. So if you read Recoil magazine, we did an article with Ian Harrison once where uh, we did some bite work. Who do we use? Do we use probably Ludwig? Ludwig. We used Ludwig. And Ludwig did some bites on Ian Harrison, and Ian cried like a bitch the first time that he bit him. Am I allowed to say that? Probably not. Probably not. That's well, he cried. And if Ian is listening to this right now, come on, step up, dude, and tell us how much you cried. But he was not happy at all. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, what? Like, you want me to call your dog off? I thought you wanted to see what it felt like. And he's a tough dude. But anyway, that was fun. So, so yes, these protection dogs that are trained in sport can still bite in real life. Now, let's talk about real dogs that are actually patrol dogs and so on. Those dogs, they don't do a lot of control work. They're only interested in dogs basically pursuing and apprehending and taking down a bad guy. Um, and once they've got the guy down, they keep that guy down until the SWAT team or the law enforcement officer or the canine handler, whoever it is that's around there, handcuffs and, and apprehends the person. Um, they are trained that way because if the dog releases the bad guy, then a lot of times the bad guy gets back in the fight again and then more people get hurt. The dog's got to re-engage, etc. So the dogs are trained to go in, take the guy down and keep him down. A lot of times if you watch video and there's video all over Facebook of these patrol dogs that are taking people and everyone's like well why didn't they call the dog off well that's because those dogs are not trained to call off those dogs are trained to stay on the bite until the hand has got him under control yeah. there's also many many SWAT team officers out there that have learned the hard way don't go in too soon because if they pull the dog off that guy the dog will turn and re-engage any leg that's nearby and if you are one of the SWAT officers or one of the good guys and you're too close that dog will take your leg on as well now our dogs are trained at a very high level to release and to stay under control. We're not law enforcement. Our dogs can only protect us from a threat. So a guy yelling at us is not a threat. It's extremely unlikely we'll ever send our dog after a decoy, sorry, after a real bad, uh, a bad guy in a real situation. And it's kind of the same thing as self-defense shooting. You know, if the bad guy's run out of the house and he's running down the road, you cannot walk, step out of your house with a rifle and take him out from a distance. Well, likewise, you wouldn't send your dog chasing the guy down the road. So when we train those running bites in our personal dogs, that's to build our confidence and to establish that pattern in the dog of when he's allowed to do this and when he's not allowed to do that. And again, this goes back to training. Um, somebody asked me last night, so how much training really goes into these dogs? I haven't really done a number here, but I would say in the region of a few hundred hours of, uh, of training just to get a dog to the basic stage. And the law enforcement dogs that you see are probably uh, probably in the region of two years. They run around thirty to forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars every day for, um, for probably eight months. Yeah, least. they put they put a huge amount of training into the into those dogs, and obviously the more. So if you have a dual trained dog, that dog's going to require more training. Yeah. Uh, they have to be recertified all the time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I heard that this dog had done, gosh, what did they say? 40 or 45 actual missions with uh, Delta Force. And that's incredible because every one of those missions is a super uh, tiring intense. and intense thing for the dogs. And yes, the dogs do stress out uh, as well. So when they come back into to the home base or in theater or whatever, they, uh, they're they're, they need a break as well, just as well, just as much as the handles do. And I was uh, I was going to comment there. My original question is, or 
original statement was some dogs are trained to go for legs some dogs are trained to go for upper body usually the more sport dogs are trained to go for legs since it's a little bit harder to achieve which is a term uh, to define basically uh, making the dog miss you uh, so that way the decoy gets points the, like jinx the dog uh, yeah ju- so, the, so when the dog's chasing they juke, juke them out they yeah. juke out of the way see if the dog misses that teach the dog to focus pay more attention and of course in protection training uh, in French ring, the decoys are scored as well based on how well they perform. Yeah. Um, French ring is a little different from Schutzhund. I don't want to get too much into that tonight, but uh, Schutzhund's a little easier. Boy, I'm going to get my ass kicked for that. But Schutzhund's a little easier. Think of French ring as kind of like the Rolls Royce of it, and, the do- and they're a lot harder on the decoys. Sorry, the decoys are a lot harder on the dogs. And, and so with upper body, it's a little bit easier to escape a dog because you can get them to target um, something, uh, maybe their arm or whatever, and then whip it out of the way pretty quickly, and sometimes the dog goes flying past. Now the dogs that are trained to look for that, they're usually pretty good at picking up on it, but dogs that aren't as trained um, can still be eschewed fairly um, effectively yep. for at least a, a couple times. And, and I'm a big fan of teaching. So in the old days, I used to train the, the bite dogs to bite arms because that's kind of what we all did. And then we started realizing that a bad guy that knows a little bit of what they're doing can let the dog bite the arm and then stick a knife in the dog's you know belly after that. So we started changing it to the leg and then to the groin. And now my favorite thing for protection dogs is is teaching dogs groin bites because it's very difficult to get your balance when you have a 80 pound dog hanging off your groin area. And you know the last thing you're thinking of at that stage is sticking a knife in the dog. Mm-hmm. And also the dog is low down on the ground so they don't get high. A lot of times when these dogs get up in their trajectory, you saw some of those pictures in the beginning of this podcast when the dogs get up really high then the there's too much chance that the dog is going to miss the bad guy if he, if he trips and falls there's mm-hmm. a great video actually i, I forget who it where uh, who paste, posted it but where the decoy is running away from the dog and the last second the dog jumps and goes air point the decoy trips and falls flat on his face and the dog just sails right over the top of his head <laughs> well it's funny to watch that but in real life, that's not what we want. Right. We want we want the dog to basically hit the first time, not go past. All sorts of bad things happen. Um, there was a case where I actually got knocked unconscious doing a bite with uh, with the dog, where that I skipped, I moved away, and the dog jumped up, grabbed me by the shoulder, flicked me around backwards, and slammed me to the ground. Well, that's not fun. Uh, fortunately, in this particular case, the dog was was uh, well enough trained that he didn't re-engage me. But that happens to some of these patrol dogs where they're basically just trying to do as much harm as they can in a short space of time. Mm-hmm. And you go to the ground, that dog gets you in the face. That's a big problem. So yeah. so groin bites or, or front leg bites or leg bites are, are safer for us to train. Um, for those of you sitting out there thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal. You know, the dogs don't hurt that much or whatever. Feel free to let me know. Live bites are super rare for us to train on i'm always looking for for people to volunteer for that so if you're interested shoot me a message and i'm sure we can set that up for you all right well we've definitely gone over uh, time today but it's been a really fun conversation to and to high have. five to the uh, army dog yeah I'm so yeah, proud Conan, of the guy Conan i really rocked it yeah i uh yeah they uh, they didn't want to identify him for some reason which is kind of funny because i think that probably made the raid um the success that it was you know and and, uh and i'll tell you something going in with a dog like that i've I've been into a lot of situations where i had a dog with me it gives you so much more because those dogs they're so tuned up and they're so aware and you're not going to walk around a corner and have some dude waiting for you behind that back of the corner or something those dogs are on that man it really reinforces how valuable those dogs are in that type of environment yeah, uh, for sure. Which is interesting because again, another point for Malinois is that they're very compact, and so they're used a lot in you know uh, 
jumping out of planes or they're able to you know pick up and, and go um, pretty easily and so they're also a little bit lighter weight than the German Shepherd um, yep. so then, and they so. handle heat better mm -hmm. yep the Belgians do the males do yeah. so, uh, you'll hear the term maligator every yeah, now and again that's not their missile. real name somebody actually wrote to me and asked me where they can get a maligator Maligator is just a term we use for Malinois alligator, meaning that they bite that hard. Mm -hmm. um, if you're asking me about a Maligator, you probably should not be getting a Mal. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next Wednesday at 6 p.m. where I think we're going to talk a little bit more about socialization in large uh, groups, maybe a daycare, maybe a uh, you know, play group on a field. Uh, and so tune in next Wednesday at 6 p.m. for that. And thank you again very much for watching, and we'll see you next week.